We are joined right now by an analyst for the Pac-12 Network, a former USC assistant football coach, host of the It Factory podcast. He is a filmmaker. He is a motivational speaker. He is the author of the Five Star QB. Of course, I'm speaking of Yogi Roth. He joins us via Zoom. Yogi, it's been a minute. How you feeling, brother? It's been a minute, but I've been tracking you on Instagram, man. I see you on those boats. I see you having fun with the family, man. So great to great to hear your voice again and see your face. You too, dude. You too. First things first, how great is ball, and especially this time of year? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so great. I mean, you look at the year the West Coast has been where we reside. It's been It's been a beautiful year, you know, in a year that, you know, began with lunacy when you look at the conference realignment and things that no one could have anticipated within the Pac-12. But here we sit, championship week. And you've got multiple teams that are undefeated. You've got a bunch of one-loss teams. You've got conference championship games that actually matter. Chaos that can happen potentially in the CFP. And in the Pac-12 on Friday night, you got two Heisman, I think, finalists that are competing at quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. So it has been a it has been a beautiful year, man. Our crew leaned into all the fun moments. We even finished calling a Notre Dame versus Stanford game. So a year of many things that were unexpected, but but one definitely full of joy. Yogi Roth is joining us. I want to get into as much of that as I possibly can, but let me get your reaction first to last night's unveiling of the new college football playoff rankings. Yogi, what stood out to you from last night? Yeah, I think a couple of things stood out. Wonder, I still wonder why Utah's not ranked, and then I see Tennessee, I see Kansas State, and I see teams like that, and then have the similar record, and all of your one of Utah's losses are against teams that are ranked currently in the top 25. I say that because you're going to hear the argument if Oregon wins on Friday night. Well, what are their ranked wins? You know, And I think that Utah one is one that uh, I think is valid when you look at what that team's been the last couple of years and, and how they performed this season. I think the other thing that that stood out to me is, is probably what the committee's deciding to do around these one-loss teams. And they continue to put Oregon as the highest ranked one-loss team. And I think that's really fair. I understand when you look at strength of schedule of Alabama and Texas, but I, I think when, at least what my eyes tell me, is that I think Oregon's playing the most complete football in the back half of the season than anybody in America, including Georgia, including Michigan. They've just been dominating teams. They're NFL caliber players at every layer of offense, defense, special teams, and they've been really, truly elite. They've been dominating teams. So I'm glad that they stayed there. Uh, I look at Friday night as a play in-game. Winner is automatically in in the Pac-12. So I was, I was glad to see the Ducks stayed where they sat in the uh, in the most recent rankings. We were talking to Yogi Ross. So finish that thought. What do you think is going to happen on Friday night? It was six weeks ago that the Huskies handed the Ducks their only loss. What do you make of the way they've both played since then? And how do you see the rematch going? Yeah, one of the coolest things about my craft over the last you know 20 years being in the Pac-12 is access within these schools and programs. And Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer have given me and gifted me that at dramatic levels. And I thought coming into the season, their cultures were as strong as anybody. And I say that because these staffs and these programs have really tried to get to know one another. I, I think it's different. A lot of times we know that roster overhaul and transfers are what they are, but the programs that are still most connected, the ones that can still lean on each other and have that element of trust within you know the schematic side of it, but also when you look to your left, look to your right, and it's a big third down, it's a critical moment in a loud environment, can you lean on that guy? And I think those two programs clearly can do that. They've separated themselves. And I think we're going to have an epic game. you got two teams that, 
You know, the fan bases hate each other. Let's just be blunt about it. You've got two teams that have epic games since these two head coaches have taken over. Last year, it was the throw of the year for Michael Penix Jr. down the left sideline to win the game against the Ducks. Of course, his audible, you know, to win the game to Roma Dunze the last time they played earlier this season, the missed field goal, the fourth down opportunities for the Ducks. So I think we have a very similar game. I think it'll feel like a playoff game. Uh, I don't know who's going to win. I understand what the spread is currently, but I think you've got championship programs that love to meet the moment and are ready for it. Bo Nix will not be nervous in this game. Michael Penix Jr. will not be nervous in this game. These defensive fronts will be aggressive in this game. I don't think you'll see a lot of busts. I think you'll see elite football. And if Oregon wins, and I've been saying this for weeks now, if Oregon wins in a beautiful, classic, tight game, and there's chaos in the other title games, we're looking at two of the four best teams in America, if that is the case on Friday night. Because I think that it's dramatically inappropriate to say, well, if Bama wins, then Georgia automatically gets in. Georgia's left their home stadium four times this year. They're not leaving their home state in their title game. I get that they've been elite the last couple of years, but this season, I don't think they've been that. So if there is chaos and other teams losing their title games, this is a beautiful game as I anticipate it to be, and it's a one-score win. If it's the Ducks, the conversation should not be unrealistic when you're talking about two teams from the pack if other teams lose in their conference championship games on Saturday. We are talking to Yogi Roth. All right, so Yogi, what about that, concerning that chaos? What if... Excuse me. What if Bama does beat Georgia? What if Bama does beat Georgia in the SEC title game? Given how much the SEC has dominated the CFP, is it possible if Bama wins that game that neither one of them does get in? Yeah, I think it's a fair conversation. I mean, look, you can't ignore conference championship one and you can't ignore head to head. And you look at, let's just say Texas wins in that instance and they win the Big 12, which I'd imagine they would. Well, they won the game. And I get that Bama's a different team than they were when they played the first time, but you can't ignore the games. I'm old school in that regard. Uh, I get to present to the committee on behalf of the Pac-12. You, you, you kind of pitch your case every couple of weeks. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. And we'll make the case for how strong the Pac-12 champion is, even if it's a one-loss Oregon, because that'll be the dialogue. Well, a one-loss Oregon, should they get in over a one-loss Alabama? That loss was to Texas. And I understand all that. And I think probably for the committee, it'll come down to who are the four best? What are the best bodies of work? Who are the best if you give them a month off? And and I've asked Bill Hancock, the head of the committee, that question. I've asked former chairs of the committee that question, like Rob Mullins. I've asked people like Rick George, who've been on the committee. Is it four best? Is it four best bodies of work? And they say there's the human element. And I think when you look at the 13 members in that room, that's the decision they're going to have to make. And they're going to have to wrestle with that of, oh, the big, bad SEC they usually get an automatic. And I get why. They, they've been talented. But nobody in any part of the country plays Chattanooga or Louisiana Monroe in Week 11. They play their rival. right? They play eight conference games versus nine conference games in the Big Ten or nine conference games in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And I think those are all fair points if the margins are as small in that example as, as you presented, Jim. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they'll do. I'll be fascinated to watch. I've always been a fan of chaos when it comes to the CFP because I want to see what the 13 humans do these are computers this is the Mountain West championship game I mean the computers aren't deciding this one and I'd be curious what they decide to do they're going to lean on historicals gosh I hope not I hope they look at reality and how teams have played 
and what they've done throughout the season, including when they played each other, which is the Texas-Alabama reference. We are talking to Yogi Roth. All right, Yogi, what about, you mentioned the big, bad SEC. What about the big, bad Big Ten? Do you think that Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the Michigan men can us against the world all their way to a natty? And if so, given the fact that he was suspended twice for six games, would that title be tainted if they did? Yeah, I think they're easily talented enough to do that. I mean, we haven't seen them tested like a lot of the teams that are in consideration for the CFP, just based on their schedule and based on who the Big Ten has been this year in terms of ranked opponents, only two ranked opponents all season long. But they're they're easily talented enough. A really physical outfit. I'm a big fan of J.J. McCarthy, uh, their quarterback. They've got one of the best backs in the country, of course. So, yes, they've got all the tools to do it. What's fascinating is kind of the mantra of them against the world. Like, how long can that thing play out? Uh, can it carry them for a couple more games? Uh, it probably can. I, I've never been a fan of making an opponent the focal point. I've always been a fan, and this is kind of the Pete Carroll in me. We used to always talk about it at SC all the time of, like, it was just about us. So I'd be curious to see how the team handles environments as they get larger and larger. Right, of course, the Big Ten title being one, and then assuming they get to the playoff, how do they handle those those environments and those opponents. It'll be really curious to watch, especially given the last couple of years. But they've got all the tools to do it. Uh, will it be tainted? Yeah, I think it will be tainted. Uh, how, how can it be when you look at the numerous uh, penalties that have been imposed upon Michigan? And when you look at what you know they are accused of doing and seemingly based on the penalty of Jim Harrow being suspended, found guilty of doing, which is sending a staffer on the road to sit in stadiums in a detailed plan to curate and figure out what opponents are signaling during games. And none of us are ever going to know, you know, where they whispered to the coordinators, to the play callers, the players. And there's a bunch of video evidence to, I think, allude to yes, but none of us really know for sure. And, and I'm a fan of giving people the benefit of the doubt. So I don't want to come down on it. Like say, I know this in, in totality, but I do know that it'll be tainted. I also know that the players probably don't care. And the staff doesn't care. And the fan base doesn't. They, they want to go win. And I think at the end of the day, what matters most in college football is winning. And, and, and that's kind of where we net out here heading into the playoffs. So, yeah, an interesting dynamic, one that I don't think you, I definitely, I haven't ever seen anything like this. Uh, I've been involved in college football for a long time. I was a signaler when I was at USC. I was trying to figure out the opponent's signals in game, but never anything, uh, anything even close to a concept or uh, an imagination around, yeah, we're going to go send somebody to other people's games. I and mean, that was just a concept that is so foreign uh, to me, uh, dramatically inappropriate, too, if, if they're found completely guilty of that, which you know, they, they definitely have some guilt in that. We know that it did go down. So, yeah, it'll be tainted, man. But I think if they win it, I don't think to be a player in that locker room that'll worry about what other people say about the title when they're hoisting it up and smoking their cigar. They won't care. Yogi Roth joining us. I agree. They will not care. One last thought. You mentioned USC. It's been a pretty disappointing year for them. They went 7-5 and five, despite having Caleb Williams back. And primarily, of course, Yogi, because of defensive issues, where do you see him projecting on the next level? Do you see him as a can't-miss, transcendent talent regardless of where he ends up? Yeah. Caleb Williams is such a special individual i've known him since he was 16 years old when he came through the elite 11 which is kind of the premier high school quarterback camp and then have covered his time at sc probably as much detail as anybody just from living out here and calling a bunch of their games and he's a one percenter 
He's the best quarterback I've ever seen in my 20 plus years now in major college football. Uh, when you go to practice, you would love this gym. You know, you just kind of hang around afterwards, want to watch what guys are like, not just with the media, but with their teammates. He was always around his teammates, always staying late, always not just throwing extra balls to his wideouts, but, you know, playing games, joking around, sitting on the grass, just soaking in the afterglow of a practice or adding to the culture and chemistry of a program. Uh, he's, he's done it every which way. I know it, he will get picked apart because that's what we do to the top quarterbacks in the country every time when we start talking about the NFL draft and their futures or the Heisman or whatever it might be. But he is he is as legit as they come. Uh, he's also the one of one. He He's truly the blueprint of an NIL quarterback in the transfer portal era. He's No one has ever had to deal with what he's dealt with. No one's ever had to deal with what he's dealt with in L.A. And nobody's had the success that he had off the field in college football. And I think that's noteworthy because there isn't a blueprint of how to do that. It wasn't perfect always. The team obviously wasn't perfect always. But, God, he, he put them on his back. He showed up and was a tremendous teammate in the locker room, uh, off the field. I mean, anybody you talk to around that program glows about the type of human Caleb is. I, I would echo that from knowing him and his family over the course of just covering this team. Yeah, huge fan of him. I think wherever he goes, he'll make that environment a lot better. Once again, an analyst for the Pac-12 Network, a former USC assistant football coach. He is the host of an excellent podcast, The It Factory. He is a filmmaker. He's a motivational speaker, the author of the five-star QB, and a really good friend of this program, Yogi Roth. Yogi, appreciate you so much. What a great job. Have a great, great weekend because it is a great time, man. Great talking to you. Hey, man. Lots of love. Always a joy to come on. Admire you on so many fronts and can't wait to do it again, brother. You too, brother. Much respect and love. Yogi Roth. It's a great conversation. Brother. And it's good, brother. It's good to talk some. It's good to get a West Coast perspective, all right? Because it's always about the East, the East, the Southeast, the Midwest. So, yeah, he and I are going to brother it up on the West Coast and do that. Brother.